have to just you don't have to let it run forever. Which is no, like I tried to I tried to get my uh, Cardano off my computer, and I hadn't opened it in six months. Really? It, it took, took like a day and a half. I couldn't send well, anything out. At least it was just a day and a half. It wasn't a week. <laughs> Well, same like thing with Ravencoin. Like, I had some yeah. Ravencoin on there, and I was like, and as soon as uh, it got listed on Bittrex, I was like, you know, what? I'm going to get it off because I haven't opened this app for, you know, this, four weeks these now. Are I was like, it's going to take forever. So, some of the reasons that we are not anywhere near mass adoption. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in. This is Michael and the Bear. Yeah. You've been listening to us ramble about, about uh, Ethereum and Cardano's undownloadable blockchains. That you need in in order to actually access them. I mean, these are well, really important things. So it's like they they're super important. the the way the way like uh, the way these blockchains work is that anybody can access them. Anybody can do anything with them. But you actually need to be able to download the all of the information that they contain. And so a a blockchain is a database as well as as a as well as a transactional. Uh, as a transactional mechanics. So yeah, we're still in nascent stages for this stuff. It's easy to forget that when we're talking about something as high tech as internet money, but it's still, it's, we're pretty prehistoric right now. Yeah. It's like we've mined all the gold that we don't know how to do anything with it. So we're carrying these big sacks of gold (laughs) around with us. Yeah, really. um, So we haven't, we haven't invented trucks. So we have wheelbarrows for our gold. We haven't minted it. Like we haven't invented how to mint coins yeah and so it's just like we're handing people, people a rock of gold and you're like can you do like, something this with is this jewelry and you're stick, like stick no this dude put- <laughs> it'll take <laughs> me like 10 good, weeks good to analogy. figure out something to do with that yeah well i think that's i mean that's that's a positive outlook because i think a lot of people right now are thinking oh man we're gonna be it's gonna be it's another two it's another year and a half before the next having and if you consider the havings to be the most sort of bullish catalyst for for crypto for bitcoin like people are kind of down that it's going to be another year and a half before something like that could potentially turn things around so when when you are reminded that we are really really at the beginning of everything it does it does make me feel a little bit better about you know the world that i want to live in the world that i want to live in has has a decentralized money in it and when I look around the world today and I think, oh my God, we're so far away from that. We don't even know how to use it. We don't even know how to, yeah. So it, it fills me with hope. It fills I mean, me with hope. We're at least a decade away in my mind because the technology is, is so bad right now. Yeah. And like, it, so, and so it, I, I, I've, I've pitched this idea to JJ and I'm trying to pitch it. To, I'm giving it away to free to anybody who wants it. But my idea is you have a blockchain, kind of like Bitcoin but it runs as fast as Nano and it's free. But Nano has this interesting thing. So Nano has the developer app that you can download on your computer. And it's kind of like Bitcoin where you got to download the whole chain, but they have a, a, a magnet so you can down, so you can download it faster. Um, but they have another app, which is just an app that runs and it connects to a node that has the entire blockchain downloaded. And so you don't necessarily have to have the whole node downloaded on your computer. Well, you can have a Bitcoin wallet without the entire Bitcoin blockchain, but it doesn't really do much for the entire node. That's the idea behind the Lightning Network is that you can run a simple node that connects to the chain. Sure. Right? But I think the, the goal is you want to be able to, if there's a way to 
separate the two so you can have a node somewhere, a full download of the blockchain that you own, that you can protect, that you, I mean, it's like you're, it's like, I don't know. It's like, it's like downloading the, the keys to your bank account or something like that. Like, why wouldn't you want that? Why wouldn't you want that security to know that? Because if you have a full download, it's just that much more protection for the blockchain. It's just one more person protecting the blockchain. And I think that's the idea. I like it. Like the, the idea is the more people download it, the safer it gets, the more people that use it, the safer it gets. And that's, kind of mind-blowing that's exciting like that's to me that's democracy the more people that vote the more stable our democracy is the less people that vote the less stable and the less people that had that run a node or the less people that we have mining the less secure bitcoin becomes i think that that when it comes to technology there are different things that technology brings to us and one of them that is probably the major sort of driving Yeah, it's the driving force behind technology is convenience. Most people think that technology is going to bring convenience to their life. But the the other thing that that technology brings is, or it can be, is can be freedom. You know, it can be something that actually, you know, makes everyone's lives better or at least your life better if it frees you up to do more things. And I think that that Bitcoin is, is a technology that gives us more freedom, not necessarily more convenience right now, because... I, most people would listen to what you just said and they'd be like, I don't want the keys to my bank. I want the bank to do all that. You know, it's not, they don't want that responsibility. I know, like, I know a lot of people who don't even want to hold their private keys. They want to leave, they want to leave all their money on an exchange because they feel more comfortable with the exchange controlling it. And so I think it's one of those things where people eventually will learn that that tech, that technology is bringing them freedom that they, they value. But right now, a lot of people just don't value it. And we've talked about it on this show before, how a lot of our friends who are are not into crypto, they don't have time for this shit. You know, they don't have time for the inconvenience of of what it is. Uh, yeah. All right, let's talk about the stock market. Let's talk Woo-hoo! about the stock market. Yeah, really fun. Uh, stock market crashing. Hey, I mean, I've been is hearing it, so much chatter over the last couple of weeks about is this the top? Is this the top? Is this the top? Are we overbought? Like it, it was, I, I mean, ev- it's on, it's on the tip of everyone's tongue. If you just listen closely. And so five days ago, I sold one of my marijuana stocks at a 200% profit. Oh, nice. In, in less than a year. So I, I'm going to uh, take that's... a huge tax hit. But I was just like, yeah. I just felt like it was coming. And, and so the the one that it was super high on, no pun intended, um, was the one I sold. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> no, literally, that was not, not intended. Um, uh-huh. I, I sold that one. And and then yesterday, I just I just had a feeling. I don't know. You know, it was like one of those like my, my knees twitching type thing. I could feel it in my knees. You know, I. Yeah. When that yeah, many people are talking about it, it's just a matter of time. It, in my mind, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy at that point. When that yeah, many people it, are I talking mean, about it, they'll create the, the, the dip. I and think so, with the stock market, yeah, that's probably the case. I know with the crypto markets, it's kind of the opposite. Everyone yeah. starts talking about something, the opposite happens. Exactly. But uh, uh, yeah, uh, you, know, it, it, you know what's interesting about the stock market is like, I did not give 
one fuck about the stock market until I started getting interested in cryptocurrency and cryptocurrency started to teach me about market cycles and they started to teach me about speculative markets and I started to take more of an interest in it. I don't really care too much about a stock market and the way it works and the history of it and and all that. I, I don't really, but I do I do find an interest in in the way I I am interested in market cycles because I think market cycles are not something that are, I mean they happen everywhere they've happened for the last you know two thousand years or whatever or longer, um, but I bet there's a lot of other people who are kind of the same. Maybe they didn't really care about financial markets until they started investing in it. And cryptocurrency was is one of the easiest things to start investing in if you don't have any experience doing that. There's probably a lot of people who are now interested in you know, like marijuana stocks or Tesla or, you know, Twitter stocks or whatever, because they got started with crypto. And and if that's the case, then we've got a whole bunch of retail investors that are going to be prepared to sort of buy the, buy the dips, you know, buy the bottoms of the S&P 500 or the Dow Industrial or whatever it is. And I wonder how many people are going to take advantage of that. Because I know, I know that when, uh, when I was, you know, when I when when the 2008 crash happened, I didn't know anybody personally who was like, "Oh yeah, I'm going to take advantage of this. I'm going to buy up a bunch of stocks. I'm going to put all my money into indices." Or were you like that? I mean, did you see that market as an opportunity? I have or, never had money, dude. Okay, well, I mean, I didn't either. But I mean, like now, now in crypto, I've met people who who did see that as an opportunity, and they they tried to jump on it, but didn't really turn out in their favor. Yeah. Um, I think Eve. Oh, you know what? Um, uh, uh, Carter Thomas of Coin Mastery actually has this little story of how, like, he's been obsessed with financial markets, and um, he never had any luck with them. In two thousand eight, when the crash happened, he actually kind of got excited. You know, like a like a good investor. Yeah. <laughs> he got excited when it crashed because he saw it as an opportunity to now kind of lay the foundations of his is of investing career but it didn't work out for him because he spent too much time being specific about what he wanted to buy yeah he was like kind of falling in love with his own assets which is something that we definitely see in crypto yeah i mean people like find those coins that they want to root for that they love and they'll never want to sell and then they're until they're down 90 percent, and they're officially community members because they have no choice at that point. I liken it to the Android iOS fan fan wars, flame wars, because this is like seriously. Unless you're working on the project for the for the project, at that point you're just a fucking tool. It, it's they're worse than sports fans, in my opinion. I mean, they're, they're sports fans who don't even understand the sport. They just. <laughs> But they're like sports gamblers or something. Uh, uh, you know, I'm sorry. I'm being mean. I'm being mean to people. What, what it is, is it's, you know, it's it's completely understandable that people have an emotional attachment to money because money equals dopamine in our system. And it, and it feels great when we all of a sudden win in Vegas and it feels like crap if we lose all our money at the beginning of the weekend. And so that drives emotions. And when people, they find an identity in a in something that has a lot of culture wrapped around it, something that has a lot of, 
and culture is just you know we we call them memes, but they're really it's really just cultural references all over the place. And we live in a world that is run by or we communicate by cultural references. Of course, something that brings wealth to people and takes wealth away is going to have personality, and people are going to treat that like a sport. So it's, well, and you know, in in we are being assholes saying like people who clutch to their altcoins or even Bitcoin, whatever during a dip and scream hodl 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 and you know i'm gonna hold on to the to the bitter end like that's a healthy thing to do that's 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 human relationships that's but at the same time and and saying you need to learn how to cut your losses and move on that's asking somebody to not i see what you're saying it's it's like it's you you tell people in life you teach them find something that you believe in and put all and and put everything you've got into it and then put your faith into it. You don't want people investing in things just so that they can flip them. I mean that's not Yeah. I I mean that's, that's detrimental not, I mean, to society. And, and Well, it is. I it you know, is. you could argue no, that like we're flipping houses. I, people are flipping houses and it's detrimental to, to communities. It's like there's no more backbone to these communities and so Sure, but people have been buying low and selling high for as long as people could buy low and sell high. I mean, they they just But very did it in very ways. small percentages of the, of the population do that, not the majority. No, I think the majority of people are looking for a way to buy low and sell high. I mean, that's what you do on Craigslist if you're selling something or whatever. I mean, like that the concept is, has been there for people since the beginning. So, but, no, no, doing but how it, many people, I think, how many people, okay, rationally, how many people do you think are flipping houses? What percentage of the, of the, of the US population are flipping houses? I think a lot of people would be flipping houses if they could afford it. I, I so completely instead, disagree with you. I really, absolutely disagree I know, with you. I, I, I totally think, I mean, like, I- You think I people know, who I mean, work 40 hours a week are going to, on their weekend, fix up a house to then flip it and make maybe 10% profit? No, I, I think if somebody has the money and they have the option to invest in real estate so that they can flip a house and then buy a bigger house with it, I think some. I think a lot of people would be smart to think about that if they're if they're concerned with- the wealth of their family. I think it's just a smart thing to think about. I mean, so so I guess the question is, if that's the case and, and capital is the issue, then why aren't people doing it with things like comics or they are. toys? I or- think that's what that's what business is. It's a type of arbitrage. It's it's. I mean, that's what that's what uh, you know. That's what any retail or wholesale business is. That the idea is based on. Yeah, but Not what percentage of it. Americans are actually doing it? It's a very very. Well, I don't small know the percentage. number. I don't think so. I think a lot of people, when they go into any sort of job, that's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to sell things. They're supposed to find things. I, I mean, maybe people aren't thinking about it like that, but it's definitely something that humans do, especially. I in, guarantee you less. A, in, I guarantee you, less than ten percent of the U.S. population is going out buying something, and then relisting it somewhere else to try to make a profit on it. I guarantee. Yeah, you. maybe maybe not very many people are. That's what I, I think that's what that, I mean about flipping, like. They're actually that's their that's their investment model. They're willing to sell their like they're willing to quit their job or do whatever. Like that's what I think that starts to become detrimental because then because that when more and more people start doing that, things become artificially inflated. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I think that if it's I I think you could probably I think this is a fun argument for one because I think that the way that that humans think, especially if they were born and raised in a capitalist 
capitalist system is that you got to find something that you're going to sell. You've got to find something, whether it's a service or a product or something that you have access to resources to or whatever it is. So the idea of flipping something is is part of human nature for people who understand it that way. Anybody who has to buy things on a daily basis wants to get the best deal on them. They want to think about how how they compare in, in, in price to something else. So that's not too much of a stretch to think of people as having an instinct about buying something cheap and selling, selling it higher. People might not be actively thinking about that when they go to buy a car, but I bet a lot of people are thinking about resale value. I think a lot of people are thinking, oh, you know, if I buy this car, then at least in five years, it'll have a better resale value. If they did think I that, don't think they that, wouldn't lease. I think that, yeah, people who, who I mean, lease cars, people who buy new cars are not thinking about that. That's for sure. No, no, no. I'm saying people who buy new cars are absolutely thinking about resale value. People who are leasing new cars are not. And the vast majority of people in this country lease. So it, sh- it, oh, it just do? confirms my thing that oh, people maybe you're just right. don't want to deal with it. They don't want to deal with reselling stuff. They fucking so it. Then, they, then, they pay people to, to resell their stuff for to sell their stuff on eBay for you know, them. you're right. They fucking hate you're it. You're right. Like, people Well, that's because selling stuff sucks. Yeah, really it's does. awful. But it it's it sucks if you don't like it. I I mean, and then if you're a person that likes reselling things, if you're a person who likes selling things, you're probably gonna make a lot of money yeah. because that's that's something that's really hard to come by. That sort of most people love buying things, they hate selling things. That's true. I think it takes a special kind of crazy person i might be one of those people that actually takes a pleasure you are a very small percentage (laughs) yeah well i mean you know i'm a a collector of things and i love to sell them as much as i love to buy them because then i at least get to own them for a period so i think that's a perfect example of the people who stick to their guns with the cryptocurrency they buy is because they hate the idea of having to sell it and potentially selling it for a loss. Oh, it's just like they just so, don't so want to sell. Yeah. They don't want to deal with it. And that's like like you said, like I don't want to deal with this. I want to put my money in my 401k and I want to let somebody else deal with it. I don't want to have to worry about like selling selling high and buying low and blah, blah, blah. I don't want to have to think about it. That's I, true. Like, I don't want to have to think so about like, that. But that's pretty much the majority. Love, people love spending money on something, putting time into it and, and enjoying it. I'm going to buy verge right and oh my god it has doubled in value i love my verge my verge has quadrupled in value oh my god i love verge like people that's what happens to people they're like oh my god you bought tron oh how dare you because verge is and of course like when 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 you know when when the shilling becomes a thing it's like the more people have have the more people buy something the more it's worth so it just creates this frenzy of wanting everyone to own the thing that you own. 99% of the people can't explain what it actually does. Oh, uh, fewer than that, probably. (laughs) I mean... Fewer than 1%? Nobody nobody knew what fucking Verge was. Like, everyone... Oh, it's a privacy coin. It's the privacy coin. It's like, what the fuck is a privacy coin? You know, it's like Monero or something. (laughs) I don't know. What's Monero? I don't know. It's just private. It's... (laughs) It's a privacy one. It's like, you know, the, the private Tron, you know, it's like the, you know, the video game one. I, I still have never heard a 30 second elevator pitch for Tron that makes me understand what it does. <laughs> if anybody out there, hop onto our Facebook, post it on Twitter, M and the B on Twitter, Michael and the Bear on Facebook. I, please, 
30 second elevator pitch of what Tron actually does. To to me, Tron, I think is great because Tron is like, it's the, it's the blockchain network for like the, the popular people for the popular world. It's like, they're appealing to what everybody love, like whether it's like pirated movies and video games or like gambling or TV and Netflix. It's like, they're just pulling in all of these things that people just love in pop culture and they're throwing it into their, their version of Bitcoin. I still don't understand what that means. Which may or may not been plagiarized. I think that it's it's just like Ethereum, but they're really pushing the social networking, the business aspect. They're just pu- pushing everything that is really popular, which is fine because Ethereum should be able to do all those things. But Tron is saying, oh, yeah, you know, like we are more of like a multimedia gaming, uh, social media, a, a business networking, whatever. I mean, that's just what they're so doing. They're just so like Ethereum out- says we're a platform and anybody can build a dApp off of our platform. So Tron's saying, we're going to copy Ethereum, but be faster. And only people who want to do like sports and gambling and stuff can do it. We're, we're going to regulate who can be on our platform. No, no, that's not what they're saying. They're saying, and we're just like Ethereum. You can, you can do everything that you can do on Ethereum. You can do on Tron, except we're also going to, we're going to kind of front run the scene by also giving they're just going to market it differently that's all they're doing they're just they're just ma- making it appealing by saying we're going to have we're going to we're going to we're going to incentivize people to make the most the most user-friendly wallets that actually do stuff that people like you know it's just it's it's ethereum with better with better pr basically that's so has any of it come to fruition then, yet has as well they i mean their 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 live network is is running faster it works it apparently works flawlessly They've done all kinds of things to incorporate, you know, uh, uh, BitTorrent. And now, I mean, they're just, I mean, I, I don't see a lot of the stuff that they, that they, that they market themselves with. I kind of, am like, okay, whatever. That's just marketing. I mean, that's fine. I think that cryptocurrencies do need to be marketed. And that's one of the flaws of Ethereum and Bitcoin is they're just not marketed well. And that's hard when there's no central entity that's going to market for them. That's why you have Bitcoin Cash being such a marketing beast but but having such a bad reputation is because their marketers are terrible people really so i mean has is there anything successful launched off of tron yet no because tron has like a 10-year plan to even start launching anything so i think right now everything having to do with tron is all hype it's all hype everything having to do with any crypto as we talked about at the beginning of this podcast is all hype we're at the beginning stages of everything so I think when Tron, you know, had had that s- huge cycle last year where everyone was like, go Tron, I love Tron, and nobody could explain what it does. I think the the creators of Tron, I think Justin Sun, I mean, they all knew that they were like way, way overvalued, like 100%, 1000% overvalued, should never have been worth that much. But of course, they're going to run with it if it's there, if they have the power to market you know, at that early of a stage. Well, Same no, thing my thing is like Cardano. With, with Cardano, Cardano could do works. nothing. It doesn't work well. well. Sort of. I mean, there aren't really any, any, there aren't really any dApps that do anything. There's um, crypto so kitties. There's, I mean, just the fact of being able so to launch an ICO and having a, having an ICO launch successfully is, 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 is I'm pretty is sure you can launch an ICO for, on Tron, but is, no, is a success for yeah. Ethereum. 
Yeah, but that took uh, that took a couple of years for I- ICOs to really be able to launch on Ethereum. And I think Tron, even though you could launch, you could launch a DEP, you could launch an ICO, you could use it for the same purpose. It's not going to work out as well because of just other conditions in the world right now in the market. Like, you know, even the word ICO has a stigma attached to it, or it's just you know, yeah. now there's all this stuff. So I don't think it's conducive for that kind of thing. But I think from what I understand, their main net works and you can run dApps on it. And like now they've got the, they, I forget what it's called, but it's basically the, they, they, they took everything about Ethereum, the virtual machine, the um, what's it called? Ethereum virtual, virtual machine. Now they've got the, it's called like, I don't know. It's called like, it's called like Venus or something or Tron virtual machine. I don't know what it's called. It has some, some, some futuristic hey, it's name. better than sharding <laughs> sharding it's a casper i just sharded my pants Ca- yes casper the friendly ghost the new yeah. uh that's that's the uh scaling scaling you know, tool they just need to work on well i mean okay so one of the things that we wanted to talk about on the show this show has been a bunch of tangents that have been really fun but we wanted to talk about how crypto is is not is not decoupled from the stock market. I think that a lot of people who especially anarchists, they look at the cryptocurrency markets and they think, okay, yeah, this is something that's very different than Wall Street. This is very different from, you know, uh, commodities and equities. It's completely different. And when the mar- when the stock market crashes, oh, everybody's going to find that store of value in Bitcoin. And then, you know, that's when, that's when the next bull season is going to happen is... You know, when the stock market crashes, everyone's going to move their fiat into funny internet money, which, yeah, right. Like, like all, all of the, you know, older investors in this world are going to go, oh, yeah, you know, my grandson's Bitcoin, like he was talking about that. I should probably move all of my old, you know, government bonds into this internet money thing. I just think it's funny that anarchists will they'll call themselves anarchists and then they'll think, oh, yeah when the stock market crashes, that's when Bitcoin is going to have its day because that's what's going to happen, which of course, I mean, no, because the people who are going to make cryptocurrency big are millennials and, and Gen Xers. Like that's what we're going to start investing in it. People who are 70 aren't going to, it's too volatile. They're not going to take like, so if you know anything about investing, anytime you start like a 401k or Roth IRA or something like that, and so you start out with like Fidelity. So I have one with Fidelity. And they, and you check a box and you say, do you want safe investing, moderate investing, or extremely volatile, dangerous investing? And when you're below 30, you're supposed to click this extremely dangerous, volatile investing. Because that's where you make the most money, <laughs> but you can <laughs> lose almost all of it. Uh-huh. But you can afford to lose yeah, almost all of it because you're so young. And as you get older, you move it into the moderate. And then you, as you get older, you move it into the safe. And it's mainly just like bonds, T-bonds, stuff like that. Um, so you, like guaranteed net return. It's You're only going to get maybe like half of a percent, but it's guaranteed not to lose your money. And that's what people like over 55, they have all their money in that. A hundred percent of their money is in that because it's guaranteed return. It's guaranteed safety. And so those people are not going to take their retirement money, pull it out, 
of their Roth IRA or their 401k <laughs> and put it into Bitcoin. It into they're the not going to do that unless they're yeah. $700,000 in debt and they need to hit like a winning lottery ticket. That's the, Those are the only people who are going to do that. So the idea that somehow old people are going to ri- do something <laughs> to make Bitcoin or make cryptocurrency or, you know, or make the market cap explode, it's not going to happen. It'll be institutional investors and it'll be millennials investors, and Gen yeah. Xers. Not even that many Gen Xers are going to do it because yeah. Gen Xers are, you know, they're, no. they have their family now, they have, you know, their house and they can't afford to put something, to put money in something that volatile. Yeah, and they can't afford to take the time to even learn about it or understand what it is. And that makes sense. Uh, this... Yeah, and the wealthiest investors in the world are all are all old people because they've been actually investing for the longest amount of time. So yeah, um, man, you'd think that if you were really old, I mean, if I were really old, I'd want to go for the risky investment. I don't why? have that much more time on this planet. Let's, let's like if you if you why? don't need money, why? why are you gonna risk your money? If you like, because here's the thing. So because people used uh, to only live to okay, like sixty. Yeah, I, I mean that makes sense. Seventy. Yeah. Now people are living to eighty and ninety. Right. And so, yeah, so if, if you, you have a million dollars in your Roth IRA and you're turning 65, you're like, fuck, if I live to 100, that's going to be like $1,000 a month to live on for the rest of my life. I can't afford to live on that. So you're not going to take any risks with that money. Mm-hmm. You're going you're gonna to penny pinch. You're going to get a second job. Yeah. You're going to do whatever, but you're not going to fuck with your social security. You're not going to fuck with your, with, your, with your retirement account. Like those, you want those things secured yeah, and locked down. You know, being relatively young, I tend to think, okay, well, I'm a risk taker. Like, obviously, if I had a choice of those three types of investments, I'd take the risky one because, but at the same time, like, I don't know if it's because I've known investors, iBankers, uh, hedge fund managers, but the idea of giving a bunch of money to somebody who's going to try to multiply it in a risky way without me understanding any of it, just knowing that they're professionals and they've done it before is kind of like, I, I, I hate to break it to you. Like that's that not feeling. how it And that's probably one of the reasons that I, <laughs> they hand you a booklet and they say, what do you These mean? are the things we're investing in. You can change any of it if you don't want, if you don't like it. Right. Well, that's that's even crazier because most people are just going to, they're not going to know what to do and they're going to pick things that, they're going to choose things to invest in that are not going to be good investments. I mean, that's the thing. If you're an, if you're a money manager, then it's your job to make the best decisions. No, money. no, they say, this is what we say, invest choose. in. This is, this is your portfolio. Uh-huh. This is where your money's invested in. Mm-hmm. At any minute, you can change it if you want to. Yeah, and then you can say, "Oh, I don't yeah. want to invest in that." Or you can pick. You okay, say, "I want to do technology yeah. stocks," and so they give you an assortment of technology stocks. Or I want to do healthcare stocks. They give you an assortment of, and, and they pick I and see. they pick the safe ones. They pick the good ones. They it's pick a the very, riskier ones. So I see. It's a, so you get to say that you are an investor, and then you're just yeah, kind of like, in a sense. Or like you can be like, "I don't give a shit." Stocks. I want to do the Fidelity Fund. I don't want to look at it. I don't want to know what's in it. I just want my return. And that's what yeah. most people do. You know? mm-hmm. Most people don't have time. So, so uh, yeah. So, 
the stock market crashing is not going to be good as, for as everybody's noticed. <laughs> it's, it just means that it's, it's just one of those things where, well, you know, I don't, that maybe this is also just really inexperienced investors or just idiots or whatever, but they're, well, actually, no, it's not idiots. It's, it's, it's goes back to the it goes back to the hopium thing. It goes back to this sort of emotional side of 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 what your what your value is. And that is like people are right now so desperate. They're looking for any excuse. They're looking for any catalyst, any excuse of a catalyst to turn around their investment. Yeah. Because they they're probably underwater right now. We are at we are getting close to the bottom of a market cycle. Hopefully, we may not be. We may be far away from the bottom, but hopefully we're near the bottom. And I think a lot of people are thinking, oh man, we need institutional money to come in. Oh, the stock market crashing is going to turn things around. Oh, Yale just, you know, invested $400 million into Bitcoin. Oh, the SEC is going to approve an ETF or uh, I don't know, one of the other countless things in the news that is very, very bullish for crypto. And there have been, there's been news every single day that has been positive for Bitcoin and the entire cryptocurrency market. And it hasn't made one bit of difference in in the market itself. And so I think that, I think that that's just the way sentiment works, especially in crypto. I mean, it's possible that, you know, like you say, in the stock market, you can kind of feel it. You can kind of feel when things are overvalued. You can kind of feel when people, I know that in 2000, around 2000, everybody that I knew was living in the new paradigm. We all, I mean, I don't know where you were, Michael, but like where, like me and my friends, we all thought we we're going to have the greatest jobs and we're not going to have to worry about anything. And like, and we were all broke. We didn't have any money then, but we just all, you know, we all thought, oh, we're just going to be computer programmers for the rest of our lives and make $300,000 a year. And that's what we thought. And then a year later, it was like, oh, oh, that was that was a false dream. By the way, here's yeah. your degree. Now go pay off your debt. And then 9-11 <laughs> happened. That's what happened to us. And so, uh, and then 9-11. That was like a few oh years God, of back to back and then the, the wars huh. and then. Bush's tax cuts and then the recession. And it's like, since 99, it's been a slow decline up until, you know, two years into Obama's presidency. And then it, then yeah. it started so, to turn around. But like. Yeah, we've. Yeah, we, we, we. And now we're at the point where we actually have the most, probably, arguably the most natural point for the markets to turn around. Um, I mean, they're just, everything is blown out of proportion. Everything is priced too high. The housing markets are are out of control. Like the fact that you're going to spend, you know, $6,000 a month for an apartment in San Francisco or whatever. And London yeah, is, has already too. been starting to crash or so I've heard. So it's like, it's like housing markets, uh, stock market, what comes next? Um, I don't know. We do have a bunch of other bubbles. We've got a, car loan bubble we've got a student loan bubble we've got i mean i don't know what it, what what this kind of recession can do but it we better prepare for I it i mean that's that's the scary and, part uh, that's the at scary least, thing it's just like i mean like 
We know some people, I know some people that are thinking like, okay, yes, this will be my opportunity to actually buy a home because it's actually the price is going to come down. But I think a lot of people aren't realizing that this you also You can lose your job. That, that a good percentage of, that you could lose your job. The uh, good, per, uh, not just you could lose your job or you might, you know, you know, something bad might happen to your family, but like a good portion of the world is going to go hungry, is going to not there people are going to be this is the reason why people can't invest in cryptocurrency with their monies because they're not going to have any money they're not going to like they're going to be worried about how to pay the rent not and like you know i'm you know chances are if you're invested in cryptocurrency and you're listening to this you probably know what that's like you're you're probably not listening to this because you're a millionaire from crypto you're probably somebody who is either mildly interested in cryptocurrency want to know what we're talking about or you're somebody who's feeling a bit of pain like that's my guess And so, like, if that's the case, you know what that's like. Imagine that on a large scale with a lot of people. Like, that's not going to be pretty. And it's going to be very hard to find work. It's going to be very hard to find a job. If you think think that you're an expert in in blockchain technology or cryptocurrency like like we are, then, like, and you think that that might be something that you can do in the future, I mean, if the market crashes, if the stock market crashes and other markets crash with it, like it's going to be really hard to get a lot of this technology off the ground because there isn't going to be the infrastructure, there isn't going to be the industry, and there isn't going to be the demand for it. We need a booming economy in order for there to be demand for financial markets that are well, emerging. And we also need that because that's all I want we've to decimated the public sector. So if you go to other countries, they have they have the public sector, which is all about funding small business, funding startups funding the arts, funding, like they spend a lot of their money to help small business grow, to small small artists grow, to, to get fledgling ideas off the ground. And when you- Those things are no, going to be the first the things thing. to get cut. When you have that in place, market crashes aren't as bad. So, but when you, when oh, you that might get be true, rid yeah. of all those things and you leave it up to the private sector- when the market cycle crashes, the private sector dries up and they hoard their money. Yeah, of course they would. Because, I mean, anybody who has a lot of money sees a crash coming and goes either hoard your money or sell yeah. all your assets and then hoard your money. Exactly. Because it's going to become even more valuable if you have some. So yeah, that doesn't really mean that that means that there's not going to be a lot of what's the word development in stimuli stimulus uh, stimulus. Yeah, there's packages. not going to be a lot there's of not that stimuli many stimu- for. And when they are, stim- sti- it's usually when they're not. Gonna, yeah, there's the not going to be a lot of completely collapsed, and they and we borrow the money from China. Yeah, and if you're, I mean, if you're, if you're libertarian about this, then I mean, you might think, okay, well, we've got to go through a big recession in order for us to learn how to dig our way out. Well, yeah, that means a lot of people going hungry and probably a lot of people dying, and you know, survival no, of the fittest. Like the way if, you if like If you're it. a libertarian Sorry. and you want that, then you know, where were you when George W. Bush did that to our country? Where were you when Ronald Reagan did that to our country? Yeah. Where were you? It's like when every Republican who comes into office does that to our country. And so it's like, it's not a good, it gets, it gets old after a while to have to have liberals come in and clean up the mess. 
and be the ones to make people take their medicine. Mm. Because being financially mm. solvent isn't fun. It's fun to take the credit card and go buy stuff. It's mm. not fun to have to pay the bill. Being financially solvent. And for the last 40 years, being the financially people who solvent. have handed you the credit card and said, go have fun, were, were Republican presidents. And Democratic presidents were the ones oh, who I said, know. give uh, me the credit card back. You got to pay the bills. And they call themselves. Oh, my God. They call themselves fiscal <clears throat> conservatives. Can you believe that? <laughs> the fiscal conservatives are the ones that say. We're going to have a here's trillion the, here's dollar. The credit card. Go spend it. Are we debt, spent how much on a trillion war? dollars in debt this year when the year's over? How much did we spend? When it's all war? said and done. A trillion dollars in the hole in one year. Yeah. One year. Well, it's a Donald Trump. Donald Trump can just in declare a year bankruptcy. That like we had record profits, again, right? record growth, record success. <laughs> We're going to be a trillion dollars in debt. Like how? How is that possible? What did we do with all this money? Well, I mean that. I mean, we're at, this is a bigger. This is a this is a question for the for the the economists of the world. I'm sure, but like, or no, this is a problem. This is a problem for the me mental health professionals. Is that like you've got this huge debt? Like, who is going to actually come in and take responsibility for fixing that? I mean, who's going to do that? Like, in 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 America, like. We have a president every four or eight years. That's not enough time to fix an economy. And usually, usually the the president before or after, they usually don't get along. I mean, it's usually not like it's not like something where they see eye to eye on how to fix the economy. Usually, it's at odds. It's it's undoing uh, each president un, undoes what the last president except does. For, so, I'm, I'm in interject. terms of leadership, except there, for it, George H. W. Bush. Mm -hmm. And President Clinton after him, George H. W. Bush raised taxes. Okay, yeah, I think to but clean up the mess still, of Ronald Reagan, and Clinton got him kicked out of office because of that, and then rode the coattails off those raised taxes to a solvent economy. He took credit for that, and it was all George H. W. Right, Bush, and that that sure, but I mean, even that was not. That no, was not, not two presidents working together to get something done. That was like that was like, and that wasn't even sixteen years of 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 leadership. That was that was a that was a messed up twelve years of leadership, and, and that was fraught with other problems. But um, that it just we're not set up in this country for leadership to work together back to back like that to fix a problem. So it creates another issue where anybody who coming into office is going to focus on social problems, social change, as well as maybe something like healthcare or whatever. And they're not going to address the, the, the macro issues. And that's just, that's just the way it is. No one is going to become president and then, and then hire a bunch of people for a cabinet and, 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 uh, and, and appoint judges to fix something that can't be fixed in. Well, they're going to run years. on that. They're, they're just, they're it's not going to happen. So it. it'd be, yeah. So, I mean, that's just, that's the thing. That's the reason that our economy can't get fixed in America. In the rest of the world, it's probably something different. Although other countries do If you ever want to go down a rabbit hole and kind of, and kind of really understand what we're talking about. Even worse leadership. Read about 
how Obamacare got passed. Obamacare got passed in a two-month window because because a senator and how he got taxed died, even more. and then the person who replaced came in, and and they literally had two months to pass this, and then they lost their supermajority, and then they couldn't pass anything else after that, and so they literally had two months to 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 push Obamacare through. And because of one senator, like everybody wanted socialized medicine, like how Canada has or how Germany has or how France has. And they are pushing it and one senator blocked it. One person, Joe Lieberman. Joe Lieberman is the reason we don't have better healthcare in this country right now. And so it's amazing how much power one person from the state, a state that's smaller than San Diego has over this entire country. And that's just like, that's our democracy. It's not, we do not live in a democracy. If anybody tells you we live in a democracy, tell them they're full of shit or tell them just they have no fucking clue what they're talking about. We don't live in a democracy. Think about, just think about, think about how long it takes you to do anything. (laughs) Most things take longer than two months. I'm going to, I'm going to remodel my house. So that's going to take two years. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to get a new job. I'm going to buy a new car. Buying a new car takes three months. I'm Flipping going to start a, a new business. That takes, takes two more than years. Two months. Like the idea of like flipping anything takes flipping a couch takes more than two months, probably. Um, but so so making a law, amending the constitution in two months that's pretty crazy. All right, let's talk about one one last thing before we go, and that is that crazy dude who went before the SEC, or I'm sorry, before the Senate hearing, the Senate, and and talked about. He mentioned shitcoins, I think, and he um, he said, I think he says he. I don't know if he said it there, but you don't know we're talking about his name. He's an economist named Nouriel Rabini, and uh, he's famous for predicting the 2008 financial crisis. Okay, now something about that is like, can we predict that there will be, okay, I I predict that there's going to be a a cryptocurrency bubble in the next 10 years. I don't think he predicted it like that. You want to predict that with me? (laughs) I think he was a little more specific about it. No, 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 I'm going to predict that right now. Okay. Uh, Okay, so he had some specifics. Okay, by next week, I'm going to have some specifics so that I can be considered a genius for the next, you know, bull run. As I will have predicted it on this show, just so you guys know, it'll be on the record. I just, I think it's funny that like, you know, somebody like 10 years after that crash can now take credit for predicting it, yeah. even though predicting it didn't do anything. Like it still happened. Well, no, like, what, what the hell? People, why, people why are we giving you credit? He's good at reading the and now why are we that he can see the future better than other people can. And, you know, like, okay, if you haven't seen the big short, Watch the big yeah, short. A broken clock. Broken clock. One guy saw it. <laughs> Watch the and, big and short. And it was it's crazy how much money he made because of it. And I don't remember. What was that guy's name? It was a uh, uh, Doctor Christian who, who, Bale. Who shorted I think. the housing market. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Christian Bale. Oh, you mean Batman? It's so a Batman predicted. <laughs> he shorted the market. Hey, if we want to right, get specific, right. Wayne. in our last um, episode, didn't we warn people to start being careful because something was coming around the corner? 
And you can say it was the stock market, but Tether is I, also I, uh, Bitfinex is also no longer taking fiat, and and that tanked the market last they're night. Not taking fiat, and they said it's going to be cleared up with. And I mean, they're Bitfinex right. Bit Bitfinex uh, right now is uh, saying it's going to take about a week to clear up. Why they can't accept fiat? Now we did last week remind everyone that that um mount gox in 2013 for months stopped doing fiat transactions and nobody paid any attention and nobody cared now i know that there's some personalities out there that love to get attention by telling you to get your money off of binance and off of poloniex and off of kraken and all these exchanges that use tether and they say it almost daily and they've been saying it for over a year and so it's hard and that's that's a we have we have boys who are crying wolf right now and they've been doing it for a month so it's hard to take them seriously or they've been doing it for years and it's hard to take them seriously but at the same time we have to acknowledge that these are red flags we're going to probably say this every show until it happens because these are red flags that's what we're supposed to do here is we're supposed to look out for each other okay there's a bunch of red flags like be really careful if you're keeping your money on Binance. This is, or on any of these exchanges, any exchange that uses Tether, be careful. This is, these are the things that when I first got into cryptocurrency, people said, make sure you're not leaving your money on exchanges. Make sure that you keep your private keys. If you don't have your private keys, you don't have your crypto. These are these are things that like old timers in crypto, people who have been around since 2013 or whatever all the way back then they said make sure you don't leave any of your money on exchanges the first time i bought bitcoin a friend of mine said do you have any of your money on exchanges right now like that's what he asked me and i was like yeah yeah and he's like get them off get them off now i lost so much money because of because of mount gox and and now all of a sudden people are like you know what i want my money on on binance because i trust well CZ, so let's be clear I trust mount gox company. was not um recognized by any state or government coinbase kraken and is kraken or it's coinbase and gemini no poloniac 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 is so they're gemini all also. quote unquote and then, insured and bitrex bitrex also and the government uh acknowledges their insurance and so if their insurance did not if if they lost if they lost the 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 let's say Bitcoin so if they lost your Bitcoin and the insurance refused to pay for it from their negligence you could legally sue that insurance company so that's the difference between Binance and Coinbase Binance is not recognized by any government and so they're yeah. not beholden to any government Maltese government sure yeah they've got the Maltese government and that's it and I, but uh, but yeah no I think that. Uh, yeah, that's something I think this is a nice way to bookend the show is like is uh, is by by how do we start the show? Again? We started talking about uh, <laughs> uh, so we, start, we, <laughs> we started talking. No, we started talking about. Uh, um, oh, great. I was ju just on my mind a second ago. OK, so so Binance. Um, oh, yeah, we were talking about technology. That can give you freedom or can give you convenience. And this is yeah. definitely a situation where people are looking for the convenience and aren't looking for the freedom. 
and that can be dangerous. You got to make sure you've well, got I a think, balance. I think of each Ben one. Franklin has a really so, good yeah. I mean, uh, quote about that about well, he says it. It's, he says it about protection. Ben Franklin, like those who give up their freedom for protection, aren't aren't safe. And like, I forget the guy. I'm totally butchering it, paraphrasing it. But you can you can intermix that. Really, that's a really with, good uh, quotation. Um, ease of use. Yeah. If you give up your freedom for protection, like, are you who are you really being protected? <laughs> you know what? Now I'm gonna look that up. Um, ridiculous. I don't. <laughs> so, 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 yeah, let's look it up because we're not doing it justice. If you give up your freedom for protection, then your protection will be given no. up for freedom. No, no, that's not it, is it? <laughs> hey, vamp for a second. Do it. Go. Okay, I got it. Never mind. Never mind. All right. <laughs> Those who that give was a up. Quick vamp. Oh shit. I just clicked the link and I have slow internet right now. Vamp, quick. Okay. Those who give up essential liberty to purchase a, a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. And so that kind of goes with you're giving up your mm. your your, your, All right. your the so liberty we- to own your money because you want temporary safety of ease because you're afraid keys. you're going to lose your your crypto keys, your 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 you know, your passwords and all that. But ultimately, if something like Mount Gox happens, that temporary safety, that temporary security, that temporary ease of use costs you all your money. So just be careful. You didn't deserve it. Yeah, just be careful. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. It's our, I think I feel like it's my responsibility or it's, it's my person. I feel like it's my personal duty to let people know of this because it was such a big deal when I first started investing. It was like one of those things that was a, it was a f- complete faux pas to leave any of your money on an exchange. And now that people seem to do it without thinking about it is one of those things that we're like, oh my God, when everybody in cryptocurrency thinks and does one thing, you better watch out because that's like a counter indicator of something crazy about to happen, usually. Anyway, with that, I guess we'll say goodnight here. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, MNTheB. What else are we on? Oh yeah, we have a Patreon. Whatever. Just Just listen to the show. Tell your friends. We're getting there. That's more important. We're getting there. Listen to the show. Let them know about it. See ya. We'll be back here next week. All right. Goodbye, everybody.